my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful but very, very cold at the present time city of Adelaide. I'm also your presenter every Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Now this week, we're following the theme of the church and money in a very human world. What a subject to be dealing with. Uh, If ever there's a subject that raises interest amongst the secular world, it's uh, this subject. Today, we're going to be chatting on the question, could ancient financial principles help us today? Uh, you know, so many, uh, so many times people look at, look in the scriptures and they say, hey, look, that, uh, uh, that book really doesn't have a lot of relevance for the day and age in which we're living. And yet, you know, the thing that I'm just so th- conscious of is that, uh, there is so much relevance, particularly in the area of financial structures, uh, that are in our, in the word of God, uh, in the ancient, in the Old Testament part, of the scriptures even and we're going to be talking about some of those principles today i believe you will be absolutely intrigued uh, now look to help us out with our discussion today we're joined by pastor ricardo schaefer now ricardo is the pastor of the prospect and the elizabeth seventh day adventist church is right here in adelaide a uh, welcome to you ricardo it's good to be here gary Thank you so much. Ah, it's, it, look, look, it's fantastic to actually have you on board. How are you enjoying this seemingly endless Adelaide winter? <laughs> well, in this life, everything has an end. Thanks God. Um, but, um, I kind of like the seasons, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one of the things I'm just so conscious of. You know, we here in Adelaide, uh, autumn and spring are absolute. Mm. We get months and months of months of idyllic weather, and then in summer you get these short bursts of uh, of incredible heat, and in winter you get this uh, this burst of uh, uh, well, it's not quite sub zero, but you know, rainy, close to it, close to it. You know, it's yeah. sort of. And right now we're into one of those uh, one of those little bursts, but. Uh, you've just come back from Queensland, I understand. Yes, I've been there for a couple of weeks. I took some holidays. Okay. Was, uh, yeah, good, good weather. I understand you got the got the uh, uh, got the time to actually be able to baptize some of your some of your your relatives. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I got to preach there at a church in Bandaberg, and I baptized my niece and my nephew. Ah, uh, look, that that's, was very special. That that is a one. I, I know. I I well remember baptizing my two two nieces, and that was an incredible blessing. Uh, Sabbath sure. afternoon, we went out into a to a dam with uh, uh, the church from they were attending Lilydale in those in those days. And we do a big shout out to those of you from uh, Victoria. Uh, it's a uh, uh, it's a beautiful part of the uh, of the world uh, over there, and I I really enjoyed being able to get involved 
uh, in the ministry of their lives. Yes. You know, that That's was what it is. In, in fact, I will remember actually dedicating them as well. I think we dedicated them mm-hmm. when they were just little tackers, uh, and then to be able to baptize them was, uh, yeah, an amazing blessing. It really it was is. wonderful. It yeah. Is. Look, let's come to our, our World Watch segment. Now, uh, our World Watch, of course, today, we try to deal with uh, something that's occurring in the Christian world. Well, uh, just today I picked up uh, something that was uh, an article on the Christian Headlines site. Uh, now, I didn't actually realise that uh, just two days ago was the 190th anniversary of the death of Sir William Wilberforce. Now, of course, uh, many of you would be aware that Sir William Wilberforce was the uh, was the, the gentleman, the parliamentarian over in England that saw the uh, do, doing away with the slave trade. Now, I loved uh, this particular article, and I'd love, uh, Ricardo, to get some feedback from you on this particular subject, because I think it is just so relevant to the day and age which we're living uh, today. Uh, the article was entitled, uh, William Wilberforce's Life Was a Direct Rebuke to Privatised Faith. And when I read that, I thought, wow, what exactly are they saying? Uh, well, let me just uh, share with you some of the major highlights of this uh, of this article. 190 years ago today, that was actually two days ago, the great British parliamentarian and abolitionist, uh, slavery abolitionist, uh, Sir William Wilberforce, died at the home of his cousin uh, in Westminster, London. Uh, three days earlier, Parliament had passed the Slavery Abolition Act, which abolished slavery in British colonies, freeing more than 800,000 enslaved Africans in the Caribbean and in South Africa, as well as a small number in Canada, on condition that the Crown compensated slave owners. When his friend, Thomas Bablington, uh, delivered the news, Wilberforce allegedly responded, Thank God that I could have lived to witness the day in which England was willing to give twenty million pounds sterling for the abolition of slavery. Upon the news of his death, newspapers around the world proclaimed Wilberforce as a pure and virtuous a man as had ever lived. During his life, however, He endured incredible opposition and even hostility. England benefited both economically and militarily from the transatlantic slave trade. Some 46,000 British families owned slaves. And during war with France, abolitionists were accused of being unpatriotic. One of Wilberforce's most vocal opponents, a slave trader named George Hibbert, was a fellow congregational member at the church that Wilberforce also attended. I found that absolutely remarkable. The life of William Wilberforce is a direct rebuke to a privatised faith. This was the conclusion. Having had a very personal experience with God through Jesus Christ uh, for Wilberforce, real Christianity... 
Wilberforce said real Christianity requires living out the full implications of the gospel. For him, it meant embracing conflicts with his culture, challenges to his reputation, and doing hard things if in fact they were the right things to do. As he put it, to be alive to the sufferings of my fellow creatures is to be a fanatic. I am one of the most incurable fanatics ever permitted to be at large. Now, you know, when I, I read this, uh, Fabio, um, uh, when I read this, Ricardo, I, I, I was absolutely stunned. You know, there are so many, uh, people today who say, you know, oh, you know, Christians, you know, in the South of America, they fought, uh, for, uh, to keep slavery. Christianity and slavery went hand in glove. In actual fact, that is not the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, here in America, you actually had those in the South who were certainly campaigning for slavery, but those in the North were campaigning for exactly the opposite. the opposite. In America, what you in the UK, what you actually had was you had uh, the population divided as to whether this legislation should be passed or not, and yet it's through the uh, through the, uh, the the work of a Christian pastor, Sir William Wilberforce, who got himself elected to Parliament and making it his lifetime work that slavery was ultimately done away with mm-hmm. in in the United Kingdom. And of course, he was working with him was a um, was a former slave ship captain. Uh, and his name, do you know what his name was? His name was Sir John Newton. Now, of course, John Newton wrote that beautiful uh, song, uh, Amazing Grace. When he came mm. off the slave ship, what you found was that he just had to, had to compose music and he, he composed one of the most beautiful hymns of all times. Yes, a, a, a hymn that is still sung today. You know, when I read, read this and I understand this, I say, hey, it's as a result of Christianity that slavery was actually mm-hmm. done away with in the United Kingdom. Now, look, um, the thing that I, I really want to just uh, pick up um, from this article is one um, is one very important point, and uh, and that's at the very conclusion of this article, having a very expe- a personal experience with God through Jesus Christ. Real Christianity. Uh, requires living out the full implications of the gospel. For him, mm. it meant embracing conflicts with his culture, mm. challenges to his reputation, and doing hard things if they were the right things mm. to do. Now, um, uh, uh, tell me, Ricardo, do you think that today, I mean, to what extent is Christianity challenging its culture mm-hmm. or should it be challenging its culture more than it currently is? I mean, William, William right, Wilberforce right. did challenge his culture. Should we be doing the same thing? So we have a lot of great examples throughout history and that is one of them. I believe that culture is actually uh, can actually be a good thing. There is so many f- things about our culture uh, our upbringing uh, that are good to, to share, but there are some other f- uh, factors, things about culture that are not really, um, that are actually opposite to Christianity. Yeah. A- and that's what uh, the Bible reminds us, where it says in Philippians 3.20 that our citizenship is in heaven. So the, the ultimate culture that we should be um, looking 
up to is the culture of heaven, not our culture. And if we really want to follow Christianity, I believe we should be ready to discard those things from our culture that are against the culture of heaven where our citizenship is. Mm-hmm. So I mean, having, you know, with that uh, biblical principle, yes, I think we should stand up for the culture of heaven. What, um, I mean, the, the, in his age, uh, Sir William Wilberforce stood up against slavery. But of course, today, certainly here in our culture, here in Australia, you know, slavery is certainly something that is mm. long, long gone, yeah, and, we and thankfully, we, we we don't we don't deal with that particular that particular issue. But look, you know. What issues are there that you think that, you know, Christians should be maybe taking a stand on, but maybe they're not? I uh, believe so. Are there any? They, Christians should, should always stand for life, for, you know, the model of family that was um, created by God as well. There's so many other things that we find in our culture, you know, violence. It shouldn't be happening, but, but it is happening, yeah, unfortunately. yeah. 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 No. Look, I appreciate what you're saying there, particularly about the uh, the whole subject of uh, of violence. Uh, and uh, I, I'm interested also that you pick up the the matter of family. Uh, you know, if ever there's something today that is being undermined, it's certainly the the role and place of the the traditional family. Um, you know, I, I suppose myself, I, I think of things like, for example, just the, the whole trans sexuality, uh, issue that we're facing at the, at the present time. As I look at that particular issue, uh, I just, uh, see, uh, people being undermined. You know, I, I love the way that the Word of God, uh, talks, uh, you know, Peter and John talk about beloved with the sons of God, with sons and daughters, heirs and kings and ambassadors is how we're described in the scriptures. Mm. Uh, and yet uh, somehow our society has come uh, to the to the point where they're prepared to say uh, that no, uh, in fact there is not two genders, but there's many genders. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know. As I look at this, I say, hey, you know, we are actually increasingly developing a a confused race of uh, certainly young people mm-hmm. in the world in which we're which we're living today. I mean, how do we stand up against that sort of uh, uh, those sorts of promotions? Constantly going against the the flow. Yeah. 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 It takes it takes courage as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're um, a teenager, you know, you have the need of of fitting in. Uh, how do you fit in yeah. in society? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very true. You know, the the other night I actually I, I actually went to a um, well the a meeting with the Australian Christian Christian lobby, and uh, I, I was so impressed with uh, certainly the stands that some of some of they they were actually taking on some of these these subjects because I'm just conscious that you know we're certainly living in a world today that is undermining through its culture so many of the principles that flow through the uh, the scriptural foundations that certainly uh, our our society at this point in time has uh, has been based on mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, uh, so look uh, thanks uh, thanks so much for that uh, for that Ricardo uh, let's come to uh, to some uh, some music uh, this is uh, Randy Travis uh, the song is uh, shout shout to the Lord please please enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
Travis and the song was a shout uh, to the Lord. What a what a really beautiful uh, song that is. Of course, that originally performed by Jeff Bullock uh, all those years ago, and I think written by him as well. Uh, beautiful, a beautiful song. And now, guys, look, we do have a uh, a fantastic uh, giveaway book for this uh, for this week. Now, this week, uh, the giveaway book's entitled "The Giving Equation: uh, Working Out Your Relationship with God and with Money." Now, look, if ever there's a a subject that is uh, dear to the heart of most people in our entire world, it's the subject of money. It's logically, uh, uh, the intro says, that I give a certain amount of money. I have less money uh, to live on. If I give a certain amount of money, I have less to give on. That's simple mathematics. But it's also an equation that makes many people reluctant to give. The giving equation provides a fresh way of thinking about giving, explaining two different mindsets towards our personal finances. The G or the giving, the God economy and the me economy. Far from causing us to lose out, giving has things to offer us that lead to an abundant life now and for eternity. This book has a unique and logical perspective on giving that helps us break down prejudice and promote generosity. It contains case studies from the Bible and examples from real life. Uh, now these are, this, this is really worth reading. Some of the, uh, some of the chapters uh, are entitled Giving 
in the me economy, giving in the G or the God economy, and then there's compelling case studies and looking at the giving equation. What is that equation? How does it work? Is it possible to give and still have more? Is it possible to have it pressed down and overflow abundantly? Is it possible? This book suggests that exactly what that uh, is what will occur. Uh, the book's entitled The Giving Equation. It's by Ken Long. Now, uh, Ken Long is uh, a person qualified in uh, in finance. You will love uh, this uh, this particular book. Uh, it comes with a five-star review by many, uh, many people. Now, look, guys, if you would like uh, your own copy of The Giving Equation, there's no cost. We're not going to um, charge you for this. Uh, the giving equation uh, all you need to do is to text us at our studio text number now our studio text number is 04 888 and all you need to do is to give us the drive time text number and uh, for today that text number is SA129 no gaps between the SA and the 129 because that goes through to our robot and our robot seems to function best uh, if uh, we just have uh, five digits in a row. So it's SA129, uh, uh, that uh, text number again is 04888. 80811 uh, and the code uh, once again is SA129 you will love this particular book it is relevant and it is practical uh, to the day and the age in which uh, we are we are living and we do have people number people uh, uh, texting in already and thank you so much for your texts and your comments and of course folks if you want to make any comments Please feel free to use that same text number because that will come directly to our desk. Uh, unfortunately, we can't uh, uh, ch- chat to you on the phone, but we can uh, receive your text. It's 0488 04-888-80811, and uh, you'll receive that book or... Uh, you can uh, provide a uh, a comment. Uh, we would love to have your uh, your feedback. Uh, now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary, and today my co-host is Pastor Ricardo Schaefer, and Ricardo's pastor of the Prospect and Elizabeth Seventh Day Adventist Churches are right here in Adelaide, and this week we're following the theme: the church and money in a very, very human world. Yesterday, we asked that question, what does the Bible teach about money? Now, look, this was a, we got some very positive comments on uh, on this particular uh, program. People really appreciated it. How is it possible to live in a world that emphasizes money and yet avoid the love of money? Uh, you know, that's such a key question. That's what we dealt with yesterday. Today, we're asking, could ancient financial principles help us today? And that's the subject we actually want to dig into. You know, one of the things that I'm just really 
really conscious about uh, is that uh, in the uh, ancient times, God actually gave to the Israelite nation some principles that uh, I believe that if we pick them up today, uh, would actually benefit our society in a not insignificant manner. And, you know, so many people I've I've actually heard heard say, look, you know, the Old Testament really isn't that valuable. Ricardo, have you heard people say that sort of thing? Mm, yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those issues that repetitively uh, seems to come up in the uh, in the era in which we're we're living. And yet, while the Old Testament does talk about a lot of the uh, the sacrifices and things which were done away with at the cross, it also gives so much. It gives a moral law uh, that uh, that is established that is still viable to us today, uh, and uh, it gives. Some other principles as well. You know, I, I love some of these other financial principles. And of course, financial principles are something that I believe uh, are incredibly challenging to us. Now, uh, let me just show you uh, what, what I actually mean by these, uh, these principles. Now, in, uh, in Exodus uh, chapter uh, 22, and uh, it's verse, uh, verse 21, and uh, we get the first of these principles that I think are just so, so key. Uh, and this is what the Word of God says, do not oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners uh, in the land of Egypt. Do not exploit widows or orphans. And if you do, and they cry out to me, then I will surely help them. My anger will blaze forth against you, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows, and your children will become fatherless. If you lend money to a fellow Hebrew in need, do not take the money, uh, do not take it like a money lender charging interest. If you uh, take your uh, neighbor's cloak, then pledge a repayment, you must return it before nightfall. Now, you know, this little passage to me, I, I, I think, Ricardo, is actually incredibly insightful to us because it starts off by saying, do not oppress foreigners in any way. Now, you know, so often uh, it's easy to be insular in where we practice our our good works. Uh, you know, it's easy to be insular when I care for my family. Mm-hmm. And yet here we start off with a very, uh, with such an incredible principle, do not exploit a foreigner, someone who you don't even know, do not exploit them. Mm-hmm. You know, Ricardo, do you think that we're living in a world today where, you know, the, you know, what's in it for me has taken, mm-hmm. has taken over? To, to what extent do you sort of yes. sense? I mean, do, do you see that very much? Of course. Everybody seems to think that way nowadays. It's first myself, you know, my family. Yeah. If, if we're okay, then I can take care of the rest. But uh, yeah, it seems that everything is upside down now. I yeah. believe that God loves us so much that He gave us uh, these principles, you know, or on even on on health and on how to manage our finances, how to support one another as well. In in those verses that you were sharing, the underlying eternal principle that I hear there is to be considerate with uh, one another, not just myself. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. In other words, I've got to be, you know, to me, how would I put this in Christian terminology? You know, to me, what this is saying is, I, this, I am the invisible God. I mm. want you to be generous people. Mm. You know, you're to care even for those people who are foreigners. Uh, do you know, I, I, I'm conscious today that we're actually uh, living in a world where, you know, the number of refugees is going right through the, right through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I I look at my country here, and this is such a, an incredibly wealthy country. Uh, I I've had the privilege, certainly, of doing some uh, some travel. And as I as I move into uh, and look at other countries, uh, I realise that Australia is incredibly blessed. You know, I uh, on many occasions I've heard that you know our health system is you know is run down, it's mm. poor, and yet I look at my health system uh, when I have travelled, and I say, please take me back to Australia because we are so incredibly yes. blessed in this particular country. I mean, you've had the blessing of, of travel as well how have you found it yes this this is incredible uh, uh, when i hear people complaining of what we have here in australia i i i think to myself have you ever seen what other people are going through yeah yeah uh, instead of complaining about not having a tv like i was hearing someone a few years ago complaining of that um uh, people in other countries are just wondering what am i going to eat tomorrow yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I actually had the privilege of uh, going some some years ago into uh, central central Mongolia, and uh, certainly just after the fall of uh, communism. And uh, when I when I realised, you know, they they asked us to actually bring in uh, some of what I regarded as very basic equipment. And uh, we certainly had the privilege of, and we did a little bit of fundraising here. It wasn't a lot of fundraising, but we were able to go in and we were able to supply the needs which they actually had you know even within our own country i'm conscious that the break between rich and poor is getting is getting bigger mm-hmm. uh, in fact you know i'm amazed if i go to leviticus chapter uh, 25 and, you know these are passages which almost nobody actually reads because the old testament is not seen as being of very great value but right. I, I love uh, this uh, this particular passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is now talking about those who are within your own nation. Mm-hmm. If any of your Israelite relatives, when gone from outside, you know we've got to care for those on the outside. If any of your Israelite relatives fall into poverty and cannot support themselves, uh, uh, you support them as you would support uh, a foreigner and allow them to live with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just sort of look at this and I'm saying, hey, uh, do not demand an advance or charge interest on the money that you lend them. So if you're going to lend them money, I want you to actually lend it to them, but I want you to do it interest free. Mm-hmm. Do you know, as I look at this, I just sort of turn around and say, hey, how radical is this in the world in which I am living today? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how good it would be is, you know, if, if perchance those who were those who were poor had opportunity if we were still following the principles that have been laid down in the word of God, you know, able to establish yourself without the, the burden of, uh, of interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know, 
God, sometimes I hear that, you know, God in the Old Testament is a, is an oppressive God. And yet, you know, the more I read the Old Testament, the more convinced I am that what we see in the Old Testament is a God who immensely, who cares for the people that he created. Mm, how different are we from God's character or attitude? Like, um, Whenever we talk about these topics, I think that um, for some people, our sinful nature kicks in and we ask the question, okay, what's in it for me? When we hear those biblical principles, those verses that you were reading, that's why people think um, this is not relevant for me because there's nothing in it for me. Yeah. See? Yeah. But yeah. The, uh, throughout the Bible, the attitude of God towards us is always, what's in it for you? Exactly. What can I do for you? Exactly. How different? In other words, there is a level of generosity here. What we find in the Old Testament is God is saying, hey, I want you to care for the stranger, but I also want you to care for the, uh, for those amongst your people mm. who are poor and needy. You know, he didn't, he didn't ever say that the poor and needy wouldn't be uh, be in your number because you know the thing that I suppose I'm conscious of and I don't know how you found it in your ministry uh, Ricardo but there are some people for whatever reason will be poor and needy some people have had life circumstances uh, that you know when I look at them I look at their circumstances and their background where they have come from I can only cry because I, I say hey uh, you know what chance did they actually have mm-hmm. to be able to have the, the blessing things that, men, that, that many uh, here in Australia actually have. I mean, how have you found it? Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I, I grew up in South America, and that's something that marked me as I was growing up. I remember um, being in the car with my mum. She was driving, and there were these uh, people begging for money on the streets. Um, I remember my mum stopped, and she talked to this woman asking for money, and she said, um, I can give you something else, different than money. I can offer you a job. Mm. And I remember the answer. The answer was, um, no thanks, I'm, I'm, I'm better off doing what I do. And we're actually going to come to that in just a moment, actually, because, uh, you know, that is actually uh, something that I you know, I look at and I say, wow, I mean, how do we actually respond to that? And I'm actually going to pick it up uh, just towards the end of our, end of our program. Uh, but, you know... Some of these principles that are in the Old Testament, to me, I look at and I say, that almost looks uh, like being wasteful. You know, I mean, take take this particular principle. Mm. This is Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 9 and 10. Um, when you reap, and they're talking about reaping the harvest, and this is an, an agricultural type economy, of course. When you reap the harvest of your lamb, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, mm. nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. So in other words, we want you to cut. God wants you to cut the corners, and when you um, plant a wheat field, don't go and harvest right up to the to the very edge. We want you to leave the, all around the edges. Don't bother doing that. And, um, and you shall gather the neither shall you gather the gleanings from your harvest. Uh, you shall not um, glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every gut grape in your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Now, I'll consider it. Huh? I mean, how do you react to this? I mean, if you're the you're the poor and needy, how mm. do you react to it? I would be thankful. Huh? 
if if uh, if someone offered me, you know, if I could take uh, go into uh, my no, field, which I've free. planted for free, mm. and you can pick whatever you want to pick. Yeah, in in many cases, that would save my life. That would save you. Mm. How would what does it mean for the person who owns the field? However, not much. It's they're going to lose if you want to talk in in terms of numbers. They they, they may lose a little bit of the okay. revenues. Okay, but for the other person, it means a lot. Okay, okay. You, you know what we're actually doing here to me is we're actually transferring some 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 wealth. You know, the wealthy man uh, is able uh, to provide for those who are poor by simply allowing the poor. He is being generous to those who are Mm. poor. And God is commanding it. You know, this is the thing that really stands out to me about the Old Testament. What we actually have here, people say, oh, you know, the God of the Old Testament, he's such a hard person. The Mm. more I read the Old Testament, the more convinced I am that exactly the opposite is true. I mean, how have you found it? Exactly the same. Uh, it is a, a considerate God who um, is always taking care of us, taking care of the ones who are in, in need, the widows, the poor. Um, I guess the challenge that we may find in now, in, in our days, in order to be generous is when, you know, people take advantage of, of people, they, yeah. they lie. They say, like, I've, I've had situations where they come to, to my house and they say, um, that their, their daughter is in, in emergency. They desperately need the money, et cetera, et cetera. And then you find out after giving them money that they've been doing that for many, <laughs> for many months with the same story in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, now, now, look, you know, what, what you actually bring up here, I think, is a really important uh, mm. uh, a point, Ricardo. In fact, in the second half of our program, I want to actually deal with that particular subject because I also, in ministry, one of the real challenges that uh, I I have certainly faced is uh, is this uh, incredible issue of being taken advantage of. Mm. Uh, do you know, I you know, I mean, to me, there's the principles of uh, the the scriptures. Uh, uh, encourage me to be a generous person, and I love love that. But how should I react uh, to uh, to someone perhaps who's taking advantage yes. of the system? And I'm going to actually we're going to come to this mm. in the in the second half of our program because I think it's a really important uh, question that you do that you do actually. Um, um, that you do actually bring up now. Look, uh, just one thing before we do actually go to the to some music. Uh, I love uh, Leviticus chapter twenty five. Leviticus twenty five talks about a thing called the year of jubilee. Now, this is a remarkable little uh, little requirement, and uh, this is uh, this is what it is. this occurs once every fifty years, and this is in the uh, in the expectations that God has laid on his on his people in in the Old Testament. Uh, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year, is what. Uh, uh, Leviticus uh, 25 and verse uh, 10 says, You shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all of the land to all the inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. In the year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. If you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. According to the number of years after the jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor, and according 
to the number of years, number of crops he shall sell to you. According to the multitude of years, you shall increase its price, and according to the fewer number of years, you shall diminish its price. For he sells you according to the number of years of the crops that the land can provide. Now, what's actually going on here? Well, of course, what's going on here is God is saying to his people, the land that you have inherited, you do not have the authority to sell, but rather you have the authority only to lease it to somebody else. If I fall on hard times, I can lease my land to somebody else, uh, but I'm unable to sell it outside of my generation. You see, after 50 years, when the 50, the year of Jubilee comes along, uh, what I'm expected to do is to hand that land back to the original owner of the land. Now, you know, to me, I, I love what's actually happening here because what does it mean? Well, what it means is this. It means that there is uh, no ability for one individual to build up massive land holdings. Like a regulator. It's a regulator in society. If I become poor in my generation, it doesn't mean my child, my children mm. are going to become poor in their generation because that mm. which had the, the land, uh, because the... Uh, the individuals are going to be able to receive their land back mm-hmm. in the year of release. Mm-hmm. I look at this and I just simply say, hey, is this a good God? So wise. This is a wise God. Mm. This is not a God uh, who is being oppressive, but this is a God who is putting regulation mm. in place that allows society to function and doing away with the extremes of both mm. wealth and the extreme of poverty. Mm-hmm. I love uh, what God is actually doing here. But uh, look, uh, Ricardo, let's come to some music. And when we come back, I want to come to that question that, that you have have so rightly put because I think it's an important and important question. Uh, let's come to uh, Reggie Smith. This is uh, I fix my mind uh, on another on another time. Please enjoy uh, this uh, this song. I have fixed my mind. On another time On another time And here I mean To stand until God gives me more light And that is today
course, is Reggie Smith, and uh, the song is I Fix My Mind on Another Time, and that's uh, uh, what a beautiful thought that uh, really is. Now, folks, look, our giveaway, a book for today, is that book, The Giving Equation, uh, Working Out Your Relationship with God and with Money. This is by Ken Long, Ken Long a real ripper uh, of, a, of a book. You'll really appreciate this uh, this particular book. Ken Long is a highly experienced business consultant. He's based in Sydney. Uh, he holds a Doctorate of Business Administration along with qualifications in law and commerce. Uh, Ken is a is a champion of, of giving and is passionate about helping people understand how generous, how being generous can benefit them. And now look guys, this is a book that will challenge, uh, challenge your thinking. It actually ch- challenges your culture. Uh, look, if you like your own copy of The Giving Equation by Ken Long, that number again, our drive time text number is 04888 uh, and uh, the code that you uh, uh, that you need is SA129 SA129 just five digits in a row SA129 and text that to 04888 that'll go directly to our robot our robot will come back ask you a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. You will love this particular book. 04888-80811 and that code is SA12. Two nine, uh, you'll love that uh, particular book. Okay, now look, we're at the top of the hour. We've got to um, uh, polish off what we've uh, been saying. I'd like to pick up that point that uh, you were actually uh, that you did actually raise, Ricardo, because I think it's a really mm. important one. Uh, and of course, uh, the question that you uh, you raise is: Look, how, how do we actually deal? You know, the scriptures and certainly in the Old Testament have told us to be generous mm. people, and certainly, you know, as a Christian pastor, uh, this is something that I've certainly encouraged people to do. It's something I try to do uh, myself to be a generous person uh, but you know I, I've also been called on as a pastor uh, by some people who uh, Ricardo in some ways I, I would say have taken somewhat of an, a bit of advantage of me of my generosity and you know Ricardo one of the things that I really uh, struggle with I mean one of the things I suppose I don't like um, is being taken advantage of now, look. Let me just let me just uh, uh, hit you with a couple of New Testament passages because you know these passages I think are incredibly relevant. I'll get your your feedback as to how you would actually respond. You know, in Acts chapter two, you've got the example of how the early apostles did actually uh, function, and uh, Acts chapter two and verse forty two says this: and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst them all as anyone had need. Now, to me, I've certainly had people, you know, quote this to me as being an example of what the Christian church with all its assets should be doing. And uh, I sort of looked at this and I thought, well, is this being overly idealistic? I'll get your feedback in just a moment. Um, but then, you know, I get, uh, you know, I mean, years later, the apostle, uh, Paul, uh, comes, uh, um, 
uh, along and uh, uh, he seems to be facing similar struggles to certainly what I faced and um, and Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 says this for even when we were with you we commanded you this if anyone will not work neither shall he eat Mm-hmm. Now, look, you know, I mean, to me, this almost seems to be contradictory <laughs> in the in the New Testament. On the one hand, you've got these, you know, apostles, you know, dividing everything so that every man has got, you know, a similar amount of goods. And then uh, later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul comes along and he just simply says, hey, you don't work, neither mm-hmm. should you eat. Now, help me out, Ricardo. Look, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're a pastor, many years experience. How do right, How right. do I deal with this? So one verse seems to be for those who are communists and the other verse is for those who are capitalists. Indeed, indeed. That's a good way of putting it, indeed. (laughs) It is interesting. Yes, uh, so the first verse that you shared, you know, uh, the way that the apostles lived, uh, sharing everything, everything belonged to uh, everyone, etc., it is uh, amazing. It goes against our culture, really. And I really believe that the way the Christian church started is the way the Christian church will finish as well. Yeah. But uh, it seems that the what that verse is saying is that things belong to those who need them. That's exactly what uh, my wife's grandmother says. She's a very generous woman. But on the other hand, you have that other verse. Uh, if a man does not work, you don't deserve anything. Uh, neither neither should he work. Which is correct as well. When God wants us to, to work and to, to earn our salaries, you know. So how do we put those two together? It's... Um, how do you put them together as a pastor? I mean, you've got a, I mean, you've had to deal with people. I mean, I'm just conscious that certainly in my life, you know, there have been some who, I mean, there are many needy people, but there have certainly been some who have taken advantage yes. of, of generosity. It has as well. happened to me as well. Yes, yes. Uh, I guess uh, what I practice in, in my own life is uh, when I'm in doubt about someone's necessities, I prefer to just help. If they take advantage of me, then so be it. But mm-hmm. if obviously, if I know that they are taking advantage and I try to take my precautions, uh, I direct them to the right source or someone to who can help uh, by offering a job or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. No, I appreciate what yeah. you're actually saying there because I, I know certainly in my own in my own ministry on numerous occasions, uh, and while I, I certainly acknowledge there has been many genuine cases, yes. uh, I know that one of the uh, one of the things which I've uh, I've learnt is that there's a, a number of questions that it's worth it's worth asking. I, I well remember being a pastor in a small country town many years ago, and uh, in that town there were only actually three helping agencies, so it helped us out no end. And we each had each other's phone number. And if ever someone came who we didn't know uh, came to to one of us, we'd get on the phone and we'd ring up the others. And you know the number of times that somebody actually uh, they would t- say to us, "Oh yes, we helped them earlier today." Right. Uh, and we knew that once one person had helped them, well, I, we were able to go back and say, well, we understand mm-hmm. that, you know, the other helping agency has already helped you. And that was normally the end of the discussion. It was mm-hmm. relatively easy to actually uh, to actually do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's important to actually do, do your homework. But, you know, one of the things I'm so conscious of here is that uh, certainly the early uh, Christian church uh, established a model that was a very beautiful model, yet it was a model which brought 
down yeah. uh, as a result of human nature. That's right. You know, human nature tends to want to take advantage of someone else until finally in the days, you know, Paul's talking to the Thessalonians. He says, hey, you know, there are some principles here. Uh, my expectation is that uh, an individual will actually work. You know, I think this is actually saying something for our society today. It's not saying if a person can't work, they shouldn't be helped because exactly. there are certainly people yes. who can't work but if a person will not work then hey there is a there is actually a time mm. uh, to lay expectations on that right. individual now i know i'm getting myself into some trouble here <laughs> and uh, you know i'm sure someone's going to probably text something uh, text something in yeah. uh, but you know i think the word of god is incredibly wise in what it is actually saying and how it's saying it well, we have come to the to the very mm. top of the uh, uh, top of the hour. Uh, it is time uh, for us to conclude, but let's conclude with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I come to you now. I want to say thank you for being our Lord and our God. Lord, thank you for being the God who gives us all good things. Lord, I pray that you might show us how we can be generous people to those that we encounter in our lives. Uh, Lord, I pray that you might direct by your spirit and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Ricardo on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be joined by Pastor David Butcher. And we're going to be asking, does the Bible have anything to say about the wealth of churches? Really look forward to being with you then. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God abundantly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. 